On today's Cigar Dave show, number one, 79 years ago this week, General George S. Patton liberates Sicily, a huge victory. Number two, football season is here. Great news regarding America's favorite football delicacy. Number three, liberals call for meat tax in the USA. And number four, roll tide but no tide for freak gender sorority applicant at Alabama. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion. Of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo, Maduro, and now Connecticut presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Long-ass greetings and salutations, a long-ass snappy salute, Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. It is Cigar Dave, your global five-star general and alpha male and chief front and center from Humidor 1A, Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. 79 years ago, this past Wednesday, one of the great, no, correction, the greatest general of all time, General George S. Patton. Blood and guts. The man responsible for our North African victory when America and the Allies were getting their asses kicked. And also responsible for a big, big campaign, military campaign that really set the stage for the eventual liberation of all of Europe. I am speaking of the Sicily campaign. General Patton, one of the most revered, skilled, certainly, a controversial general, but a fantastic general, reached the coastal city of Messina, secured the liberation of Sicily 79 years ago, Wednesday, August 17, 1943. As alphas, we understand the relevance, the importance of American history. Unfortunately, it is barely taught in our nation's schools. And what is taught is a convoluted Photoshop version of history, as I like to say, because they basically like to alter it and change it to make it look good and make it more politically correct. But we all know we cannot forget history. If you are the old uh, uh, quote that if you, I think it's along the lines of if you fail to remember history, then you're condemned to relive it. We cannot forget what took place in World War II. The fall of Messina marked the end of the Sicily campaign. It set the stage for the invasion and liberation of the European mainland in World War II. At the time, Italy's fascist dictator, bastard Benito Mussolini, suffered an incredibly humiliating downfall. He was arrested in Rome during the Allied effort to seize the Mediterranean island. Messina's capture was not only a huge victory for the Allies, it was a personal victory for the greatest general in world history, General George S. Patton. 
Why? He had a very big rivalry with British Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery. Uh, Bernard, as they say. Bernard, Bernard Montgomery. I can hear Mick the Brit saying, Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, General. He reached the port city on the northeastern tip of Sicily just hours, Patton did, before his British rival, Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery. And there was always special pride when Patton came through, was able to take his, all his allied forces and march and begin the march towards Italy. In fact, he was greeted by the Sicilians, waving flags, cheering their victory. Messina is located just two miles from the boot of Italy, so it is clearly a very important strategic location, especially to invade or uh, during the invasion of Italy during World War II. Now, General Patton, incredibly brilliant, had the foresight to realize that Sicily was a natural route to mainland Italy and the European continent going far back. He was a student of history going back to the Punic Wars between Carthage and Rome. The Allies' invasion of Sicily on July 9, 1943, included the largest amphibious landing force in history until that time. And it turned out to be a proving ground for the incredibly successful D-Day invasion of mainland France to follow in 1944. So August 17, 1943, General George S. Patton arrives. He captures Sicily, retakes Sicily, and then... Less than a year later, the Allies, end up, or less, way, way less than a year later, they end up going and getting into Italy and the beginning of the end of World War II. Everybody, we always tend to think that the beginning of the end of World War II was the Normandy invasions, Operation Overlord. It wasn't. It actually goes back to when Patton led the Americans and his army to Messina, and then up to Italy. Mussolini was executed on April, 8, or April 28, 1945, as the war drew to a close. And what people do not realize, the five-week-long Sicily campaign took many lives, allied lives. U.S., British, Canadians suffered 24,000 casualties in the five-week-long Sicily campaign. But the greatest general of them all, in fact, let's hear from General Patton with a description of exactly what he did to the Mussolini enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Bingo. That was the great General George S. Patton. One of the things I always admired about General Patton, I admired many things, but the reality was he had an innate ability to take a ragtag team of undisciplined, not overly well-trained troops and whip them into shape in a very short time. He did so in North Africa. The Americans were getting their asses kicked. I mean, Rommel, the general, the, the Nazi general, 
was moving right through North Africa, and then General Patton came in and put an end to it. That is reality. General George S. Patton, in fact, served a very important mission during the Normandy invasion. He was sidelined. He got into a little bit of trouble. He slapped a soldier, and of course, he would open his mouth at the wrong time. He was quite bombastic. But nonetheless, Ike knew that he needed Patton, and he would need Patton, in order to successfully win World War II. What they did, what Ike did and what the, uh, the Allies did, is they created a fictitious army in England, totally fictitious, with all sorts of dummy tanks and dummy planes, totally fictitious. And the Nazi bastards thought that it was going to be Patton that would lead the invasion. So they were preparing for Patton. He was a decoy, but they feared Patton so greatly that they essentially put most of their resources towards a decoy invasion. And then, of course, the Americans, the Brits, the Canadians went in to Normandy at the various beaches, stormed the beaches. Again, many casualties. It was a brutal brutal campaign, and that was the beginning, second beginning of the end of World War II. It started in Messina with Sicily, and then once the Messina invasion, Sicily invasion was shown to be a success, then at that point the Allied forces realized that they had to land on the Western European shores to be able to capture, retake France, retake most of the Nazi territory, and then march into Germany and eliminate, as General Patton would say, the Nazi, Nazi bastard Huns. And by God, he did. He got rid of those son of, sons of bitches. Sc uh, really, sadly, General Patton died in the most freakish way when his car, his chauffeured car, was hit, broadsided by a truck paralyzed him, and he ended up dying soon thereafter. Not the stage that you would think the end of a great general such as George Patton. And ironically, let me just take a look. General Patton was not that old when he, when he ended up passing away. And by the way, the Europeans to this day love General Patton, or as the French say, General Patton. General Patton, old blood and guts, was 60 when he passed away. Hard to believe. He always looked older. Back then, everybody looked older. Loved his cigars. Certainly, General Patton was an alpha general in every way, shape, form. Just 60 years old. Buried at the Luxembourg American Cemetery and Memorial. President Truman wanted President, uh, General Patton's body shipped back to the United States for burial and services here. His wife refused. His wife said he will be buried in Europe with his fellow American soldiers at the Luxembourg American Cemetery and Memorial. And to this day, memorials everywhere, France and Luxembourg, Belgium, all over Europe for General George S. Patton. They love Patton. They loved him then. They still love him and revere him today. A general with gigantic nads of steel. The same cannot be said of the pathetic beta wimp, woke losers that are running the armed forces today. General 
Millie Mouse, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, an embarrassment to the uniform, an embarrassment to the title, an embarrassment to the rank. General Patton would speed, eat him out and spit him out for breakfast. He would have zero use for any of these woke, politically correct beta generals. While the Chinese are contemplating taking over, invading Taiwan and taking over the world, we're worried about pronouns and making sure that every American troop, male, female, is vaccinated now, as we know, with an experimental, dangerous, highly dangerous, highly side effect laden vaccine. And I'll have more in the coming weeks. The proof is in the pudding. There's a reason why Pfizer didn't want over half a million documents that they submitted to the FDA made public for 75 years. There's a reason. If they have nothing to hide, you release them immediately. However, groups had to go to court to get those released, and now we're finding out the truth. I just read another article that Pfizer knew 45% of pregnant women miscarried or had other complications when given the vaccine. They kept that a secret. All the issues now with cardiac conditions, myocarditis, periocarditis, clots, all coming out now. But yet everywhere we went, oh, we have to have multiple vaccines. Look, I was vaccinated, took two Pfizer vaccines, wouldn't go near that vaccine again. In Quebec, they now want a fifth vaccine. In Canada, they're saying you're not going to be considered fully vaccinated unless you get a booster every nine months. No effing thank you. I cannot tell you the number of physicians now. I have several friends that are cardiologists, internal medicine uh, specialists, general practitioners that have all told me, stay away from any boosters. What we're seeing now is being hidden. It's not being reported, but the truth is coming out. There were three physicians in one Canadian hospital. They all died within a matter of days after they took the booster, a third booster, a fourth booster, correction, a fourth booster. And these were young guys. One was a cardiologist, young guy that was working out, exercising, dropped dead. Another one, same thing, young. Three in the same hospital. Three days consecutively. Don't you think that's a little bit mysterious, a little bit odd? But yet, what do we see? Keep taking more. And, what, and I love when I, hear, I see people to this day that say, I've just tested positive for the Wuhan virus, but thankfully, I'm fully vaccinated and boosted. That didn't help him repelling the Wuhan virus. And the reality is the virus has mutated to a much milder form today than what it was two years ago, two and a quarter years ago. And the reality is that we had therapeutics within months Hydroxychloroquine, we had zithromycin, ZPAC, we had methylprednisolone, anti-inflammatory. We knew, the doctors knew, the hospitals knew there were effective treatments, but they shielded it from the public. And now they're pushing Paxlovid. And now we find another side effect of Paxlovid. People are getting what's called Paxlovid mouth. Not only does it cost 755 bucks, the U.S. taxpayers, or $755 per, per treatment, five-day treatment, 
Now people, over 50%, are getting what's known as Paxlovid mouth, a very bad taste, very bad breath. They can't get rid of it. Just read an extensive article on it. Geez, I was on ivermectin for five days when I got the Wuhan virus back in, what was it, early May? Five days. And then for three weeks thereafter, on the one-week anniversary of the final dose that I took ivermectin, the original dose, I would take another dose three weeks later. So four weeks I took it. Five days and then four additional days, or three additional days over the course of three weeks. Not one side effect, not one issue of ivermectin mouth as opposed to Paxlovid mouth, and it worked. And it worked within hours. Notice a, a tremendous difference within hours. Combination of ivermectin, zithromycin, the Z-Pack, and methylprednisolone. But yet, we've got all these woke generals saying, we're going to kick you out of the military if you don't take this experimental vaccine. It is amazing. General Patton today, if he were alive, would, would be mortified, first of all, at how the leadership of our U.S. military has become so timid and politically correct and woke and wussified beta, indecisive. Whether you like Patton or not, the man was decisive, he was strong, he was a leader, and he won, as opposed to today's generals. If a war were to take place with China, we wouldn't win. Not with the idiot leadership we have at the Pentagon. Now, when President Donald J. Trump wins for a third time in 2024, you can be sure that will be changed. And he'll bring in alphas that will make sure that America is strong, wins, and is decisive. That you can be assured of. And I will tell you another thing that I'm assured of. That the cigar and libation I will enjoy on today's International Cigar Litation and libation ceremony will be absolutely fantastic. I've got two fantastic selections staring at me. I've got my cigar in hand. I've got my spirit that I am looking at front and center, and I cannot wait to get to it right around the corner. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Good news. Every member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club by now should have received the June 2022 selection, the Gurkha Revenant Vertical Sampler, consisting of the Gurkha Revenant Connecticut that I enjoyed last week, the Gurkha Revenant Corojo, and the Gurkha Revenant Maduro that I will be enjoying 
today on the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. This is a beauty. Now, this Gurkha Revenant Vertical Sampler that contains the Connecticut, the Corojo, and the Maduro, only available in a six-cigar sampler pack. So you cannot buy the Connecticut separately. And what is interesting is the Revenant, Corojo, and Maduro are normally a box-pressed or square-pressed cigar. However, for the sampler pack, they are round cigars. They are parejos. So they are cylindrical cigars. They are not box-pressed. They are not uh, Figurado. It is a good old-fashioned Toro, about six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge. And looking at this Gurkha Revenant Maduro, beautiful, shiny, oily, deep, dark, chocolatey Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Incredible aroma. The binder on this cigar is Cameroon. So we're going to get some spice and some sweetness from the Cameroon binder. And the filler uses a proprietary Dominican Republic T13 seed, Nicaraguan, and broadleaf fillers. So it's got three different fillers, a three-country filler blend. It's got Cameroon binder, and we start off with a Mexican San Andrean wrapper. Absolutely magnificent. Now, this is available, this particular Toro, the Parejo, or the cylindrical version, only available in the Gurkha Revenant sampler pack, six-cigar sampler pack. The Gurkha Revenant, however, is also available separately for sale in box-pressed. But if you like a traditional cigar, you don't like a square box-pressed, personally I love a box-pressed, but if you want a cylindrical, a Parejo, straight, regular cigar, then you have to buy the Gurkha Revenant sampler pack to be able to get this particular size and this particular cylindrical shape. But beautiful. Already getting great replies from our our, our Officers Club members saying, General, no, it was late, but it was worth it. Love these cigars. Got to go buy more. So we do appreciate everyone's patience. Again, unprecedented in doing the Officers Club now. It's got to be at least 20 years. At least. We have never had issues like we have the last year with delays in getting cigars, with cancellations. All the manufacturers are feeling it, and we're hoping that everything gets back to normal here quite soon. But we do thank you for your patience. And I know that everyone, every member will enjoy the Gurkha Revenant Vertical Sampler. And today, I've got the Gurkha Revenant Maduro from the Cigar Dave Officers Club June 2022 selection. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Ah, yes, that is the sound of my self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine. Extra wide ring gauge. This could easily get about a 70 ring gauge size cigar. Actually, more than that. Probably get a 75 ring gauge size cigar in here. No problem. Very sturdy. Nice looking lighter. Or nice looking cutter, I should say. Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus. Jumping the gun, thinking about light, light lightation device. I've got from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I have my five star. This is the five-star litation device that has a nice translucent tank, built-in piercer, bullet cut, five butane jet flames arranged in a pentagon. Perfect to light my Gurkha Revenant Maduro. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Beautiful cut. Outstanding. Let me just get rid of some of the scraps here. Put that in the 
ashtray. And now let me toast the foot of this Gurkha Revenant Maduro. Beautiful sticks, just absolutely magnificent. The Connecticut, nice, creamy, a little bit of sweetness, mild to medium. The Gurkha Revenant Corojo, that's a little bit more on the medium plus side, medium to full. And this Revenant Maduro, same thing, medium, medium plus, slightly full. But this Mexican San Andreas Moron wrapper, absolutely beautiful. Shiny, dark, looks espresso-like in color. I will now, after toasting the wrapper, toasting the foot of the cigar, and let me puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice draw, nice taste. on the foot of the cigar. Bingo. Perfect, even amber glow. Let me just take another puff here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Between that Cameroon, the sweetness and spice from the Cameroon wrapper and the, the unique taste of the San Andrean Moron Mexican wrapper, outstanding. This is a beautiful cigar. Mm. Mm. Excellent. All right, now I need the proper accompaniment, accoutrement to this beautiful Gurkha Revenant Maduro, and I have just the thing. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. I happened to be in one of the fine spirit stores a while back. Actually, I'll tell you when it was. It was around the holidays, so it's right around New Year's, and I am looking around, and what do I see? I happen to see a beautiful-looking sampler pack from Grainstone Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, and it's got three different finishes. There is a bourbon cask finish, a rum cask finish, and a sherry cask finish. They had the 375 milliliter sample bottles, so three bottles, I bought it. I sampled them all. They were fantastic. It is called the Grainstone Double Cask Collection. The uh, selection that I'm going to sample today, going to use to accompany my Gurkha Revenant Maduro, is the first whiskey, Scotch whiskey that is in the box, the Bourbon Cask Finish. It is matured in traditional American oak casks until it has achieved the perfect balance of flavors. It is then transferred, the whiskey is then transferred into first fill bourbon casks to allow for further development. Now let me go ahead and open the bottle. I've got my snifter. Let me open that. Let me just pour a little bit. Fantastic. All right, let me get the aroma here. Let's check that as I swirl it around. It's a very nice, light caramel color. Hmm. I tell you, I'm getting some subtle vanilla, a little bit of oakiness, but it's a very bright, outdoorsy type of aroma. That's the best way I can describe it. So let me say cheers. We'll take a taste. Hmm. Oh, this is beautiful. Wow. Definitely getting the Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Notes. 
But then when it goes to the bourbon cask for the secondary fermentation, that's when it really starts to acquire some of the bourbon-type notes. So what happens is when you take a sample, a single malt Highland whiskey, you're going to get certainly notes of the grain, the malt. But remember, bourbon is 51% corn. Tends to be sweeter, a sweeter taste, a sweeter finish than Scotch whiskey, Highland Scotch whiskey. When you marry the Highland Scotch whiskey, first aged in French oak with that malty type of taste, and then you put it into the bourbon cask for further aging, it picks up and imparts some of that sweet bourbon that is left on the wood after the bourbons in the United States are originally aged in a, a, a fresh cask. Because in the United States, bourbon by law cannot be aged in a used cask. However, the number one purchaser of used French oak casks and bourbon casks is the Scotch industry, Scotch, uh, the, the Scotch whiskey industry. And so when they put this in the bourbon cask, it really imparts, it takes some of that maltiness and adds a little bit of sweetness and a little bit of that sharp woodiness to it. A little bit of the oak. Let me take another sip here. Mm. Nice. Very unique. I'll tell you that you're getting the best of a Highland single malt Scotch whiskey and the best of bourbon. You're getting those two flavors that are married. Absolutely dis delightful. Nice clean finish. Crisp. Some vanilla. Some oakiness. A little bit of subtle spice, maybe a little bit of fruitiness, but very, very pleasant. Nice way to go. So this Grainstone, again, never heard of it. The word is that they are part of a larger, as they say in Canada, organization that also takes their whiskey and puts it into secondary fermentation. The word is Balvini. They are somehow related to Balvini. Whether they are or not, don't know. Number of people have stated that is the case, but they have a separate name, separate corporate name, which does not surprise me, but very, very pleasant. Again, the Grainstone Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey with the bourbon cask finish. The first stage matured in specially selected white oak casks. Second stage finished in the finest bourbon oak casks. This is a winner. I'll take another puff of my Gurkha Revenant Maduro, and I will tell you, mmm. Wonderful, perfect combination. Mm. Outstanding. Getting the nice medium, medium rich taste with some sweetness and spice from the cigar. And then I'm getting some nice oakiness, malt and bourbon notes from the Grainstone single malt scotch bourbon cask finish. Excellent. When we return, we will celebrate... Not only an important time of year for all of us that enjoy and love and crave football, but also enjoy one of America's truly quintessential delicacies. We will do that right around the corner. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, 
complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Sounds you hear are the themes for the NFL television broadcasts. We are just weeks away from the start of the 2023 regular season, and it kicks off September 9th, Thursday night, NBC Sunday night football special, the Buffalo Bills against the Los Angeles Rams. I do have to correct you, General. Yes. It is September 8th. You have oh, one I'm less sorry, day September, to wait. September 8th. I, I, hey, I don't want to wait one more day. I am ready to go right now. September 8th, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. High expectations for my Bills, but we temper that enthusiasm one game at a time. Stay hungry, stay humble. And we need to make sure that our great quarterback, Josh Allen, does less running this year. We want to keep him injury-free. Very, very important. But I am excited. I cannot wait. We're going to have some NFL specials and football specials, I should say. College football preview coming up uh, soon. And then we've got the NFL preview. Love this time of year. Cannot wait. I wonder what the Amazon theme is going to be. Uh, maybe they'll take the Prime. Isn't there an Amazon when you watch Prime video? There's, there's a... Uh, Kind of has that like five note thing. Maybe they'll do yeah. something, you know, with that, a der- derivation of that. It'll be interesting but, to see as they start this year. Hi, everyone. Al Michaels. Uh, do you believe in miracles? Amazon is actually carrying NFL football and I'm working for them. Who would have thought? I believe in miracles. I thought my career was over. Actually, NBC, I think Michaels was still sounding great, looking great. I know they wanted to bring in Mike Tirico, but. I'll take Al Michaels over to Rico any day of the week. But I think it's going to be an interesting broadcast. Now, before I get to my next story, I do want to bring this up. Sergeant Steve, you brought up a great seg talking about Amazon. One of the commentators on the Amazon Thursday night broadcasts scheduled to be Aqib Talib, former defensive back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Denver Broncos, New England Patriots. Sergeant Steve, am I forgetting anyone? I think there was another team or two in there, but that's yeah, it could have been. There may have been another team or two. You're right along the way. He always had. He was. He had a checkered pass. There's no question about it. Uh, very, just committed some wild penalties on the field, off issue, off field issues. Just bad guy. In my estimation, when Tampa Bay didn't resign him, I felt it was a good move. I thought he was a bad guy, troublemaker. Didn't need it. I remember the one game between the Broncos and the Raiders where he, I don't know, he was jawing with Michael Crabtree, the wide receiver, and uh, while he was jawing him, he basically grabbed Crabtree where the gold chain 
yanked it off and just kind of threw it, which to me, I think just signifies all you need to know about the guy. But this week, and this is really a disturbing story in just outside of Dallas, Lancaster, Texas, youth football game going on. And, uh, Aqib Talib actually is the sponsor. I don't know if the sponsor of this game or this league or one of the teams, but he hired the he staged this one game and hired the referee, referees and so on. And a coach for the opposing team, Mike Hickman, former college football player and NFL football player, and a coach on this team was shot and murdered, allegedly, but I've seen the videotape. We've all seen the video by Aqib Talib's brother, Yaqub Talib. You hear there's like five gunshots. And this all started, apparently, on Jason Whitlock's podcast. He had the three or four coaches involved. And they all had the same story, that it was, uh, I think, like third down and, I don't know, it was like third down and seven and there was apparently they were stopped short the, the one team was stopped short and the kids just kept piling on and piling on and the referee called a unnecessary roughness penalty on Yaqub Talib's team Aqib Talib and Yaqub Talib's team i don't know if i have the names of these teams i had the names but uh, for some reason i can't find it it's irrelevant really the names don't matter so the referee calls an unsportsmanlike conduct, and the team that has the ball ends up not only getting a first down, but scoring. And then it started to get crazy. And by all witness accounts and from the video, Aqib Talib crosses the field and starts jawing and, and going after the referee, the referee that, by the way, he paid to referee the game. And the referee just said, enough. And the other coaches and the other, uh, the other adults from Aqib Talib's team, and these, I think, were nine-year-old kids playing. The referee says, that's it. Game is over. I'm calling the game. Rightly so. Aqib Talib, Yaqub Talib, all these other coaches are all going crazy. Nine-year-old football team. Again, let's put everything in perspective here. This isn't the National Football League. This isn't for a national championship. And so apparently, the ball, the one of the coaches, Mike Hickman, went down to wherever it was, the 10-yard line to pick up the ball because it was that team's ball. He picks up the ball, and apparently he's confronted by Aqib Talib, Yaqub Talib, these other coaches, and Aqib Talib's wife. And they start going after him. And Aqib Talib, by the video, allegedly throws the first punch. And again, this is all on video. Throws the first punch, misses Mike Hickman, and then Hickman grabs a yard marker stick to defend himself. And they're going after him, and he's trying to defend himself. And the next thing you know, you hear five shots ringing out. And the shooter, Aqib Talib's brother, allegedly shooter, alleged shooter, Yaqub Talib. Of course, everybody ran. And he was wanted, and he turned himself in. Now, Aqib Talib's attorney said there's more to the story. Well, I'm, I watched the video multiple times. It was pretty apparent that Aqib Talib started this nonsense, number one, by running over to the referee, getting in his face, and then getting involved with the other coaches. 
and then running down and trying to throw the first punch on Mike Hickman, who ends up murdered. Murdered in front of his own son, who's a player on the team. Three coaches all had the same story. They s- described everything that happened. Now, Aqib Talib didn't pull the trigger. However, Aqib Talib was complicit in the start of this. And these guys have had issues before. Apparently, in the game before, there were some issues with Aqib Talib as well and his brother jawing and 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 and, and getting in the other opposition coaches' faces and so on. Aqib Talib could have easily gone in there and said, hey, enough, everybody go to the sideline, we're done, shake hands. And what's interesting is the team that was the opponent to Aqib Talib's sponsored team, their coaches all gathered their players at the midfield to shake the opposing players' hands. But then Yukab Talib allegedly shoots five shots and kills Mike Hickman. And it was interesting to hear these coaches because they were saying, listen, we volunteer our time for these kids. We want to make sure these kids don't get into trouble. We want to make sure these kids have mentors, have role models. And by all accounts, all these coaches were upstanding guys. And and in fact, they were saying that Mike Hickman apparently works at DFW Airport, and they said, hey, he works a whole day but still comes out, volunteers his time, as do these other coaches. What's the old adage, no good deed goes unpunished? Here's a coach volunteering, doing the right thing, mentoring young black kids, nine-year-olds. And he's murdered in front of his own son and in front of his son's team. Aqib Tlaib is bad news. He's always been bad news. I've never been a fan. I've listened to him on as a color commentator on Fox. Never thought he was great. Never cared for him. And if I were Amazon and the NFL, I would do everything immediately to disassociate myself with him. I don't need a court of law to say, to see what happened on video. That this guy started the altercation, first with a referee, then taking a swing at an opposing coach that led to his murder. I don't need a criminal trial or an arrest to prove this that Aqib Talib is bad news. Amazon and the NFL should immediately, first of all, the, uh, the NFL should contact Amazon and say, we want no- this guy to do nothing with the NFL, period. And then Amazon on their own. And I don't care if they've got a contract or not. They ought to say, you're done, and we will not pay you. We will fight to have to pay you. You're done. And I'm sure that in most of these contracts, they have a morals clause anyway. So that would be grounds for dismissal. All it takes is one person with half a brain, with common sense, to look at what took place and say, enough's enough. We do not want Aqib Talib involved with our broadcasts, with our company, with our name, with anything we do. So far, it's been crickets. ESPN hasn't reported on this. The other networks, sports networks, haven't reported on it. Here's a perfect example of black-on-black crime. We say black lives matter. Well, here's a black coach who is doing the right thing, volunteering his time, serving to make sure that the nine-year-old youths that were 
in Lancaster, Texas, had role models and were staying on the right track. Where's Al Sharpton jumping up and down complaining? Where's that scumbag attorney, Ben Crump? Anytime there's a, a, a shooting involving or a murder or a crime involving someone uh, against a black person, he's front and center. Where is he now? Why is he not demanding justice for Mike Hickman, the coach that was murdered allegedly by Yukab Talib? Where? Where is anybody besides these coaches in the country, in the black community, saying what they did was wrong? What they did is unacceptable. This cannot stand. Why are they not trying to excoriate Aqib Talib and his brother? Crickets. Not a word. The NFL wants to be associated with this son of a bitch? If Amazon wants to say associated with this guy, forget it. No thank you. Not a word. Again, Black Lives Matter only when it involves the narrative that the Libstream media or the scumbag attorney Ben Crump and scumbag Al Sharpton, and I don't call him Reverend Al Sharpton, he's not a reverend, please, he went to some, some mail order school or some bullshit uh, 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 theology school, not even really accredited, but all of a sudden he's a reverend at what, 14 years old? Please, spare me. Al Sharpton, nowhere to be found to say, this cannot happen in our own community, this is unacceptable. These were coaches doing the right thing, kids that were playing being taught good sportsmanship, and one of the coaches gunned down by two adults that were acting like three-year-olds. That's really what it boils down to. The NFL and, and Amazon were truly sincere about making sure that they only want people and players that represent the values that they espouse. Aqib Talib should be banned permanently from the NFL, from any association with the NFL, and should be fired from Amazon and the broadcasts immediately. We'll stay tuned for to see what Amazon and the NFL do. I wouldn't hold my breath, but this video, very apparent, who started this whole, this whole squabble and how it escalated to a tragic, murderous uh, ending. Really unacceptable. And I know I got on a little tangent on that, but I think it's important enough that it be brought up because we don't hear much. Most of the, uh, the lamestream media, even the libstream sports media, not a thing. Barely a word, barely a peep. There should be no, this should be talked about nonstop saying, get him out of the league. No association with Amazon. I haven't seen Amazon come out with any statement. If I'm the CEO of Amazon or Amazon Prime, I look at that video and I say, this guy started it. He goes into the referee. Then he tries to throw a punch on Hickman, and his brother shoots him. Forget it. We want no association with him. He's finished. Aqib Talib is a low-class scumbag. End of discussion. Now, just in time for football season. We know college football, NFL, is around the corner. What is the number one requested delicacy? that is associated with America's pastime football. What is the number one delicacy at homes and sports restaurants and sports bars and bars where people are watching football? The answer is 
the Buffalo-style chicken wing. And I told you before Super Bowl that prices had exploded. The last number of years, prices for chicken wings absolutely exploded. There were restaurants that stopped putting prices of the chicken wings, whether it was for 10, 20, 50. They stopped putting prices on the menu. Instead, they put a sticker that said market price because prices were changing daily. In fact, there was one restaurant that had, I think, a dozen chicken wings for 30 bucks. I've never seen chicken wings 30 bucks a dozen. But the prices got so outrageous. Why? Well, during the Wuhan virus pandemic and lockdowns, where restaurants were closed, especially in Demled, hunkered down states, people were ordering food that was easy. Restaurants wanted food that was easy to to make, to ship. People were buying food uh, online, getting it delivered by one of the delivery services or by the restaurant itself. And one of the top items was chicken wings. So when you have a huge amount of demand and the supply isn't catching up, the prices start exploding. And that's exactly what took place. So prices exploded. In fact, that's why a number of restaurants went to boneless chicken wings, which is not a chicken wing. It's like a breast or a tenderloin. And in fact, when they had problems getting breasts, they went to chicken thigh. So they had basically buffalo wing chicken, uh, they call it uh, a, a boneless buffalo chicken thighs to be able to satisfy demand. And before this year's Super Bowl, prices had exploded. Well, good news. The prices of bone-in chicken wings are at their lowest prices in years. The Department of Agriculture's price index for chicken wings now at levels not seen since 2018. The average wholesale price of a pound of wings fell to $1.68 in July and is trending even lower for August. That is a humongous reversal from the trend that saw a huge run-up in prices for bone-in chicken wings early in the Wuhan virus and then just kept getting more expensive and more expensive between fa- uh, plants shutting down, labor shortages, surging demand, just went crazy. Now, one reason for the rapid price decline, same thing with what's going on at the pump right now, is supply and demand. When chicken wing prices got so expensive that restaurants had to charge for 10 wings, 20, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, what happened? People said, I'll find an alternative. I'm not going to spend $30 for a dozen wings. When gas at the pump went up to five, six, seven bucks a gallon, what did consumers and drivers do? They said, I'm not going to take all those road trips. I'm going to drive less. And so now we see that people are driving less, less supply, or correction, less demand, and the economy is in recession. Forget what the brain dead Biden regime wants to say the economy is in recession. And that definition is two-quarters of lower gross domestic product output. And we've seen two-quarters of that. That is the classic definition of recession. So when you have also a recession not only in the United States, but in China, where there's less demand for oil, less demand for gas, less factory output, all of a sudden you start to see an increase in supply, little demand, Prices start coming down. Biden loves to take credit 
for the prices coming down. But just remember one thing, they're still 50% more than what they were when he took office. So in the chicken wing environment, in the chicken wing arena, we are seeing now when the prices got huge, the demand went down, supply started to increase. Now what we will see is prices start to increase again as demand increases now going into September, October, November, December, which is prime football watching, viewing season and chicken wing consumption season. So we'll start to see that. And then when you go into college basketball season, then you'll start to see again right around March Madness, the Super Bowl, there's always an uptick in prices. But certainly a huge difference compared to what it was four years ago. So hopefully the days of $25, $30 chicken wing, an order of chicken wings are gone. And we can go back to a dozen chicken wings being 10 bucks or 12 bucks. But now with inflation and, and labor costs rising, who knows where it'll be, but still far less than what it was. Now this week when the uh, brain, brain did Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with reducing inflation in any way, shape, or form. It should be called the Inflation Increasement Act because that's exactly what is going to happen to inflation. This was nothing more than a bullshit climate change bill and a bill to add more than 80,000 IRS employees, weaponized employees, to basically go after Americans for any way, shape, or form. The tax code is so complex, even IRS tax agents can't figure out, figure it out. And that is ridiculous, that we've got a tax code that is so voluminous that even accountants, talk to three accountants, you get three different answers most of the time. Well, in this bill that was signed by Brain Dead Biden, the Democrats are all gloating over, thinking it's great. There is talk of new disincentives for meat consumption. Far-left activists complain that so-called inflation reduction, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act only devotes 5% towards changing farm practices. But according to researchers that have looked at this bill, taxes could go as high as 56% for beef, 25% for poultry, up to 19% for lamb and pork. And these leftists are embracing taxes, saying it should be even higher than that because meat and dairy production is the biggest climate culprit. We're seeing this in Europe. In the Netherlands, a third of all farms. The government wants to take over, shut down, because they want to lower the, the nitrogen levels in the air, in the atmosphere. And now we're seeing the farmers revolt. Food prices going through the roof. Supermarket shelves are empty. They want to decrease the amount of beef production. I don't want to be a vegan. If you want to be a vegan, be my guest. But don't inflict your values, your desires upon me. And we all know, again, I've talked about this ad infinitum. The climate change hoax is complete, contrived wealth transfer. That's all it is. And what did I say? What do I always say? Over 50% of the world's population is stupid. You know that. I know that. They're betas. They're, they're uninformed. I mean, if you tell them that you could, the sky could be absolutely blue, 
But if you get a group of people together and say, hey, but look, that sky is not blue. That sky is yellow. You tell it to them often enough, they will start to believe it. Same thing with climate change. Oh, this was 50 years ago. Oh, if we don't do anything now, by the year 2000, the planet will be melted. We will have every continent will be overrun by water. We won't have any more landmass. I mean, every 10 years, we hear the same bullshit. In 2010, we said, we heard Gore and all these other clowns, these environmental activists, wackos, if we don't do anything, by 2020, the, the heat will be so bad that we won't be able to survive as a species. There won't be any food. We won't have, it'll be horrible. The world's going to end. And then what did we hear again from Greta Thunberg a few years ago and AOC? We have five years to change it or we won't be around. Please, shut up. And these people that believe this climate change bullshit, uh, it just amazes me how stupid these people are. Over half the world is stupid. We're not, because we're informed, we're educated, we're highly aware of current events and news. We can think for ourselves. We can read reports. We know when a report is massaged and is, 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 is created, is, is, there's a slant to it. We know that. We read it. We can figure that out. And now we have these climate change whack jobs and these ultra-liberals saying that meat and dairy must go, that we need to tax meat consumption so that more, more plant-based foods would become more affordable and more people eat better plant-based foods. Hey, if you want to eat one of those soy burgers or one of those Impossible or Beyond Meat burgers, those crap burgers loaded with chemicals and crap, be my guest. I'm going to enjoy regular, old-fashioned cow meat. I'm going to enjoy a nice ribeye. In fact, I've got about four beautiful cowboy ribeye steaks, big, 32 ounces, that I am aging in my refrigerator. They're going to age for about 30 days, and they are going to be magnificent. Do you think I want to replace those with some made-up soy steak or veggie steak loaded with tons of sodium and 1,800 chemicals that you can't even pronounce their names? No, thank you. And we all know that meat is an important part of a diet. It provides iron. Look at vegans. You look at vegans, and I'm telling you, their skin doesn't look good. They have a paleness about them. They're very gaunt. They just don't look healthy. I'm telling you, every vegan I know, they don't look fully healthy. But this is the latest salvo we're seeing. We're seeing it in Europe and now here in the United States. Oh, we have to reduce the, the global emissions coming from dairy farms and coming from, coming from the production of meat. And we need to go to a more plant-based diet. And we need to become vegans. And we need to tax it like it's some sort of illegal product. Look, we're seeing taxes go through the roof for cigars, for spirits. There's soda taxes. Their answer to everything, the liberals, is tax. Tax, tax, tax. I'll tell you what I'd like to do. Let's tax all these climate change wackadoodles so that every time one of their predictions is wrong, we, we charge them each whatever, 50, 60%, 75% of their annual salary. Watch how quickly these dire predictions end because they know it's not true. They know they're fabricating it. They're blatantly lying. Mark my words. 
the enemies of pleasure, the food police, the food Nazis, the vegan nutjobs, they are now going to launch a full-out assault on meat. On meat, steak, poultry, watch it. It's going to happen. We must fight them like we fought World War II. Must fight for victory to the end. There is no alternative. They've gone after cigars with increased taxes, spirits with increased taxes, sodas with increased taxes. And now they want to tax our meat, our poultry. They want to tax whatever they deem to be inappropriate for consumption. Why? Because they think, we should all become vegans. No thank you. We must be ready. Mark my words, the war is about to begin. They will not stop. They will continue this nonsense, and you will see this in state houses. You will see it on the federal level, because we have to do this for climate change. They won't be satisfied until they raise prices so high that Americans can no longer afford not only basic necessities at the supermarket, but all food at the supermarket. Remember one thing, if you look at, and I'll spend some time on this, I'll probably do a special show, Bold Alpha show on this in the next, within the next month or so. Saul Alinsky, who wrote the book Rules for Radicals, in his 10 rules, one of the rules is make Americans, make people so dependent on government that we become a socialist country. Get things so high that they, 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 they need the government. That's the, they need the dependence of the government. And this is classic. What are the, what's their answer to everything? Raise taxes. More taxes, more taxes, more taxes. That's not going to solve anything. The only thing it's going to do is make Americans more dependent on government. That is a bad thing. We need less government. Do you trust the government today? Do you trust the FBI, these Gestapo thugs? you trust the CIA? You trust the Department of Justice? And when I hear people saying, oh, we must, the FBI is, has such a storied history. They are protecting us, and they're good people in the rank and file. The FBI has essentially been a criminal organization that has trampled over the Constitution since the day it was founded in 1935, and J. Edgar Hoover was named its first director. He ran it until he died in 1972. The FBI has had, I think, five directors, one more criminal and corrupt than the next. The trust in government now is zero. The last thing I want is government meddling in my, on my grill, in my kitchen, in my home, and what I pay for meat or turkey or chicken or lamb or veal, or any other meat product I decide to buy. Speaking of vegans, let's go over to the UK. Mick the Brit Territory. Restaurant called The Kitchen at London House on the Isle White. That's spelled W-I-G-H-T, not W-H-I-T-E. The Kitchen at London House on the Isle White had several items geared for vegans that they put on their menu a while back. But they posted a brand new menu, and it is veganless. Of course, the owners received some swift backlash. 
Because, of course, the vegans think you should alter everything to them. And the reason they have this, this restaurant, the kitchen at London House on the Isle White, decided to stop catering to vegans because the owners said they were fed up with the vegans' holier-than-thou attitude. They catered to vegans in the past, offering everything from vegan cream teas to special vegan bacon. Blech. No thank you. And they stopped. Why? The restaurant wrote, because we got fed up with the arrogant, holier-than-thou attitude. The owners chided vegans for expecting a restaurant to adapt its menu to suit their preferences, noting that if they had gone to a vegan restaurant, they wouldn't be expected to be served a steak. That is true. I mean, if I go to a restaurant and they say we are all vegan, I'm not going to go in and say, well, tell your chef he needs to carry some meat dishes. No, what I'm going to do is look at the menu and say, blah, no thank you, and go find another restaurant. Now, most restaurants are accommodating. You will see at most steakhouses, most other restaurants that serve chicken or fish or steak, ribs, they'll have a vegan offering. They may have a vegan salad, or they'll have a pasta dish without any meat or seafood. And they'll accommodate. If you, if you say, hey, listen, I, I'm a vegan. I don't want the, the, uh, the pasta with, uh, with meatballs. Can you keep the meatballs off of it? Sure, no problem. Or I would like uh, the fettuccine. I'd like an Alfredo sauce, but don't put any of the clams or any of the other the proteins that you put on there. Sure, no problem. They'll accommodate vegans. But if I go into a vegan restaurant, I don't expect a vegan restaurant to change their entire menu because I want a steak. And this restaurant went on to say in a post, you've chosen your lifestyle. It's not a medical condition that you've been forced to endure through no fault of your own. Your choice does not fit with our style of cooking. We respect your choice and expect that you respect ours. Bingo. But again, today, we have all these vegan nutcases and these ultra-lib wackos that expect that you should change for them. They don't have to change for you, but you should change for them. If I go to a restaurant and there's a vegan next to me saying, I'm offended by you ordering that steak, you know what my answer to them is? I'm sorry that I only ordered one steak. Waiter, can you order four steaks and just put them on here so I can piss this vegan off even further? It's exactly what I would do. And at this restaurant, I've seen vegans that do have a holier-than-thou attitude. Do I want a vegan ice cream? No, thank you. Do I want vegan bacon? Do I want a vegan burger? In fact, the McDonald's McPlant was such a bomb that it's been taken off the menu at all the restaurants that carried it. We talked about that either last week or the week before. Beyond Meat had a deal with McDonald's. They were trying a McPlant burger, which was a vegan burger patty. People tried it. The vegans were all excited about it. Then they didn't buy it. People that go into McDonald's want a regular burger, a Big Mac, a quarter pounder. They don't want a McPlant. And so McDonald's said, we're not making any money with this thing. There's no demand. Scratch it off the menu. It's 86th. Vegans do have an attitude. And now their attitude is, is just as I've explained, they want to tax meat. It's not, they're not happy enough that they just can be vegans themselves. Now they want to introduce tax policy and increase the price of meat so high that it's unaffordable 
so that their result is you won't eat meat. You want to be a vegan? Be my guest. You want to look unhealthy? Be my guest. You want to be a miserable vegan? Be my guest. But don't get in the way of happy, healthy-looking carnivores. And to this restaurant, the kitchen at London House on the Isle White, next time I'm in the UK, I'm going to say, Mick the Brit, take me to this place. We've got to patronize it, and we're going to order ourselves a nice, juicy... Actually, not in Britain. We're not going to have steak. Maybe we'll see what they have on their menu. Some sort of meat product or poultry product, but steaks in Britain, eh, not so great. Not like the great meat we have here in these United States of America. But I will tell Mick, take me to this joint on the Isle White because I want to support them. I like their stand against the wackadoodle vegans. All right, finally, there are three genders, as you know, male, female, and freak. We are seeing an increase in the number of freaks in this country, we're seeing them on college campuses. We're seeing freaks that want to, that are males, that now want, want to, that now want to participate in female sports. We have seen it multiple occasions. And now at the University of Alabama, Sergeant Steve, let's hit the Alabama, yay, Alabama fight song. Alabama. Listen, the reason that they had to only just call it Yay Alabama, anything with a tougher spelling, most of the Alabama college attendees and graduates would not be able to spell. Just kidding. Listen, Alabama has just moved ahead of Mississippi from 50 to 49th in terms of education level in the United States. I kid. If you went to Alabama, I'm sorry. Not really. Anyway, at the University of Alabama, this past week, there was sorority and fraternity rush week, where you go and to different fraternities if you're a male or if you're a female, you go to various sororities and you meet the, the, and the sororities, the sorority sisters. You know, you get to know them. They offer you an invitation. You apply to join. One of those kind of rituals. And for the past week at the University of Alabama, sororities have been conducting their rush week. And there was one... University of Alabama student by the name of Grant Sykes that wanted to rush and pledge one of the sororities. He, correction, the, it is a he, but when we listen to the audio, we've got an audio clip of him on TikTok. It's a freak. Again, we've got male, female. This is the freak gender. The freak wanted to apply rushed all these sororities. Before I tell you the results, let me go ahead and play what he, correction, what the freak posted. That's the preferred gender as far as I'm concerned, freak. What the freak Grant Sykes posted on the TikTok social media platform. Hey y'all, it's Grant. Today is day five of Alabama Rush and it is the first day of sisterhood around. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Um, so I'm going to give you guys an OOTD. And yeah, so my shirt is, my dress is from Hello Molly. Thank you so much, Hello Molly. Love you. My, like, this thing is from Shin. My shoes are from Shin. 
and my ring is from graduation. Oh, not again. That is so funny. And uh, yep, that's it. So wish me luck today and thank you so much. And thank you my so makeup much. is done I'm by so me again. I'm so excited. I'm gonna be rushing, wish me luck. Now, I had no idea what OOTD was. Neither did Sergeant Steve. We looked it up. It is outfit of the day. Now, if you could see this freak's outfit of the day, uh, you would shake your head. Sergeant Steve, let's make sure we post that so that on our social media platforms, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Getter and Truth at Cigar Dave, and uh, Instagram, Facebook, Cigar Dave, so that all of our alphas listening can see what Freak Grant Sykes was wearing. Now, my OOTD outfit of the day, far different than the Freaks, I've got a Peter Millar shirt on, golf shirt, pair of Zanella trousers, tan Zanella trousers, trousers, and Alan Edmonds shoes. That's what the male species would wear. So Freak Grant Sykes, and by listening to the Freak, you can certainly tell that he, she, it, whatever, is a freak. Ended up going to 20 different sorority chapters. He visited 20 chapters and tried to apply to every one of them. And the sororities at the University of Alabama rejecting political correctness, using common sense, stuck together and opposed a biological male attempting to join their sororities. He came out and said afterwards, unfortunately, let me do my impression. Sergeant Steve, hit that sound bite one more time so I can try to, try to nail the impression. Hey, y'all, it's Grant. Today is day five of Alabama Rush. And it okay, is I got the it. first day. Hey, y'all. Unfortunately, this chapter is closed. This recruitment journey is over for me. Being dropped from my last house this morning during primary recruitment at the University of Alabama doesn't come as a surprise, considering out of the almost 20 chapters, I was dropped by every single one except two before day one. Really? That's a surprise? You think any of these girls at these sororities want to have a freak within their midst as part of their sorority? I don't think so. Good for these sororities. Now, my fear is, of course, either this freak or some other freak is going to sue, saying we're being discriminated against. I'm sorry. If you are a biological male, and by the way, do you think how many fraternities do you think want this freak? Can you see him walking in? Hi, I'm Grant. I'd like to join this fraternity. Where do I where do I pledge? Who do I talk to? You want to start your own freak fraternity? Be my guest. Fraternities are for males. Sororities are for females. Freak fraternities are for freaks. Or whatever else you want to call your house. Why don't you set up your own so it's only the freak gender? My concern is that somewhere along the line, someone's going to sue and say, oh, this is outrageous. This is discriminatory. We can't allow this to happen. My answer is, damn right we can. If you're a biological male, join a fraternity. However, this freak, the way he sounds and the way he dresses, 
And he may have a tallywhacker, but he ain't a biological male. I don't know what he's a biological freak is what he is. Or he, it, I always keep saying he, because again, technically he is a he. Let's just say it is a freak. I will guarantee that 95% of this was a publicity stunt. Put it on social media. I'm going to apply. Of course, it went nowhere. So good for all these sororities at the University of Alabama for rejecting this freak for membership. When I went to college at Syracuse, I can tell you from 1982 to 1986, I don't ever, ever remember freaks walking around campus, being around campus, wanting to join fraternities, sororities. And now I just saw that some of these Ivy League schools, Yale, Harvard, they're now having that if you want to have gender starting transi gender transitionings from three years old on, they'll start programs and classes. Are you kidding me? Kids don't know anything at three. Most of them don't know anything. You really want to wait until you're an adult to decide what you want to do. But this is the land we live in today, the land of freaks. Again, we have to have an entire country kowtow to these freaks. You want to live your life as a freak? Be my guest. Don't compete in, in women's sports. If you're a biological male, don't compete in women's sports. If you're a biological female, great, compete and stay in women's sports. Live your life, be happy, do what you want. But the entire country doesn't have to kowtow to you because you want to have some bullshit preferred pronoun and uh, you believe that you should, because you are a freak, should have equality. When you're not a man, you're not a woman, we don't know what the hell you are. I don't know what this Grant Sykes, except a freak. And if that offends people, too bad. Sorry. That's the way it is. We need more people telling it like it is. If this guy came in front of me, this, I keep saying it, if this freak came in front of me, I'd look at this person and say, you're a freak. Plain and simple. Nutcase. You want to be a woman? Be my guest. But you're a freak. The three genders in this country, in this world, male, female, and freak, that's the end of it. Period. End of discussion. Don't give me cisgender, quadragender, heterogender, all these, all these bullshit contrived made-up names. Male, female, and freak. We're not politically correct on this show. And I know those of you listening, that's why you listen. Because we're not afraid to be straight and to tell you everything from a non-woke, non-politically correct, straight-up perspective. What has happened to this country? It is unbelievable. Can you imagine General Patton saying, just looking at this freak, listening to that freak, just shaking his head, my God, you son of a bitch! You're a goddamn freak! Get out of my presence! How come we didn't see this 30, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's a recent phenomenon. All part of the libs screwing everything up in the United States of America. Unreal. Reminder, make sure that you subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast. Give us five stars on a review. And also follow our brother, Bold Alpha Podcast. Every Thursday, we release our weekly spirits celebration. And coming up for September, we will be celebrating National Bourbon Heritage Month, celebrating the quintessential American spirit bourbon, as well as all American whiskeys. And then we go into October 
Cigar Oktoberfest. Hard to believe we are already that far through the year. So that is coming up. So make sure you also go ahead and subscribe to Bold Alpha. Give us a five-star review. That way you don't miss a beat. Cigar Dave the General. USDA certified alpha male. Saying, may our humidor always be full. May our cutter always be sharp. May our ash be extra, extra long. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Red wave 2022. Trump 2024. Cheers. Live it up. And screw the freaks.